couple stories for what that's looked like in our context, right? When Jesus, I don't think it's up there, but when Jesus sends out the 70 in Luke 10, right? One of the first things he tells them to do is uh, heal the sick in the town, right? And then he goes through other things and he, to say the kingdom of God has come near. So when we've gone into these neighborhoods, we're really praying and believing um, the Holy Spirit will show us people that are ill or sick or something. So just a couple quick stories of uh, what that's looked like in our context. So we have something called a push week, which is, it's called like a DMM push week. So basically what it means is we try to generate momentum when we're out in the neighborhoods and we do stuff more than normal. So if we were out among the lost, if we were out among the lost a couple hours uh, a week, we would go out maybe like three or four hours. We would double it or triple it the time we're out among the lost. So we were out one night and we were in... Um, where we spent a lot of time is called the Raymond Rosen Projects in Strawberry Mansion. It's not the greatest neighborhood, but we feel like that's where God has led us. So we've spent a lot of time there. So we're at the end of the night, and we're walking out of the projects, and this, this, um, this guy kind of like shouts at us. And he's like, are you guys from around here? And we're like, no, we're just walking through the area, praying for people. Is there anything we can pray for you about? And he had like this big boom box blaring. He's like, come over here. So, you know, he kind of he yelled at us, so to speak. And we went over there. We connected with him. And, and God was just kind of coming on him. The presence of God was coming on him. He was getting very emotional and everything. But his mother was over to the right. And that's really kind of where the story begins. His mother's name was Doris. And uh, we, follow up, we followed up with her. Uh, probably, probably a day or two later, and uh, we started doing what we call a discovery Bible study with her. And um, we're going through this study, and at the end of it, uh, they, they have these statements in the study called I will statements. And it's basically, what are you going to do with what you've learned? Like one practical thing. And she wanted to start praying. And she's like, I really want to start praying, but I can't get on my knees because they hurt so bad. So one of the team members that was with me, He's like, do you want us to pray for healing on your knee? And she said, uh, I guess, sure. And so we went over there and we started praying for her. And we just asked the Holy Spirit to just come, up, come upon her. And um, similar in what your daughter described in the earlier story, she said she felt this kind of warm energy just shooting down her body. And we would kind of check in with her to say, hey, how are you feeling? Because I always kind of do it on a scale of 1 to 10. Um, of like how bad is your pain, 10 being excruciating, 1 being nothing at all. And so we were kind of checking in with her and praying, and, and she said she could feel the pain like literally leaving her body out of her knee, out of her foot. And then after we were done praying, we're like, hey, all right, walk around and tell us how it's feeling. So she started walking around. Um, I should back up a little bit. Sorry, we got interrupted by one of her friends that came in. She's like, what are you guys doing? We're like, oh, we're just praying, praying for her, praying for healing. Come on in. So she sat on the couch, and we just kept praying, one of her friends that came in. And so as all this is taking place, the pain is leaving her body, and then she gets up, and she starts, like, doing one of these things, and she's, like, praising God and saying hallelujah. Her friend is crying, like, literally crying because she's witnessing what's happening. And we just kept saying, we're like, we're not doing anything. God's doing everything, and the Holy Spirit wants to bless you right now. So that, that was one story uh, with her. Another one was really like literally on the streets we were walking on the sidewalk in the Raymond Rosen projects uh, a Muslim man he was um, he had a lame foot he had a splint um, what's it called when they have splint? stent stent not splint stent in his chest he had a lot of physical things wrong with him and uh, 
again, the team member was with me again. He's like, do you, want us, do you want us to pray for you? And he's like, pray for what? He's like, do you want, what do you want Jesus to do? Because a lot of the times we see in the scripture, right, people come up to Jesus and like, Jesus, do this, do that, do this. And he's like, what do you want me to do for you? And then they answer. So we, we asked them that question. So as we were praying, almost the same sensation began to happen with him, but it really kind of was overtaking him. He was shocked, and he kind of paused midway, and he used some words that I can't share right now. But he's like, what's going on? We're like, well, the presence of God is on you. And we just kept praying, and the Holy Spirit was coming on him. And he had a cane with him at, a time, at the time. And I'm like, well, get up and walk and, and show us what this looks like. So he, he started walking like pretty decent without the cane. I, I don't know how well he was walking before. But those are just kind of some of the quick stories that we've seen uh, in the neighborhood. Like these things are happening, the real God, you can trust God's word and his power, his sovereignty, what he says, what he says for us to obey in faith to do, he will show up if we exhibit kind of that, a little bit of faith. Now, I will say to keep it kind of back to reality, you know, I would have loved to say, oh, these miracles broke out, these like huge communities of faith and hundreds of people started committing their life to Christ, that, that did not happen, that didn't happen. Um, it's never promised with us in the miracles that God wants to do, right? He just says to believe and watch what I do, right? It's a tangible kind of, his evidence that the kingdom of God is here, but we don't, the results aren't up to us, right? The fruit's up to God, the obedience is up to us and our faithfulness. So I just wanted to share those stories because that was kind of hard for me to kind of digest as it was happening because you think like a miracle happens, you're like, how could you not be, you know, look what God's doing, but a lot of people that we've experienced, they kind of go back to their life. We still have um, friendships with one of them. Um, we're still in contact with her, but they, they just go back to their life. We're like, oh, that was cool. So we don't, we don't know what God's going to do, but he asks us to be faithful to, to what, he's, what he's showing us and what he's asking us to do. So, yeah, those are just a couple stories. Why don't you grab, bring those over here? Thank you, Dan. Well, I'd like to do is take a moment, and uh, we could, uh, here, I'm going to have these here. We're going to put over here because we want to be on camera. It's a little f more focused right here, yeah. But Adam, actually, he's, he's got good camera skills, and he can put it to the right as well. Um, yeah, Adam. Camera skills, Adam. Uh, <laughs> All right, why don't you take that? Yes, yeah, microphone skills, Steve. <laughs> All right, well, um, Dan, thank you so much for sharing yeah, those no stories. Problem. I would love to um, give a little context for folks. Not everyone is familiar with what you're doing, maybe new. I mean, maybe the whole healing thing we're generally familiar with because Jesus did. But kind of committing your life to disciple-making movements and, you know, going out to the streets for four or five hours for these pushes. I mean, that's... Yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot. Yeah. It's not necessarily all at one time, but over the week, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the, sometimes those particular weeks... and. That was back when we had one kid, not two. So it was a little different. Um, we, were, we were out in, for the push weeks, we were out in the neighborhood eight, nine, ten hours plus, you know, throughout the week. You know, it wasn't at one time, but yeah, it, it's a lot of time. It's a lot of time. That's, yeah, no, that's cool. I really, I mean, it is inspiring and faith building for me to see what you guys were doing. And uh, we, we, you know, from time to time, our church, we like to support uh, different missionaries or groups, and our church has at one point supported them 
in, in their ministry. So I wanted to give some context for that because we just I just love what God's been doing and want to invite other people today. Again, so after the service at my house uh, around 1 o'clock, people are welcome to come over for some lunch and just chit-chat uh, with Dan uh, and his wife and the family, kids, get to know the kids a little bit. So you're welcome to come. Just let me know so I can order enough for you. I'm just going to order from a local pizza place on my way and pick it, pick it up on the way back. We got salad too, so there's actually some healthy things too. So if you don't like the stuff that pizza places make, we got some good salad. So anyway, Dan, I'm wondering, I'm curious if you could, I mean, there's a lot of things I could ask you, but if you could just give us a little bit of backstory, because for us, it's, you know, it's new, we're just getting to know you a little bit. Yeah. Could you tell us what, like, why in the world did you get into, like, what were you doing before? Yeah. And what happened to get you to this point where you are today, where you're doing this full time? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I haven't been following Jesus terribly too long, maybe 10 years, roughly. So it started with me uh, when I was, I was about to go to seminary, and I was kind of started following Jesus. I lost my job. It was before I met Lillian. I was on fire. I was all over the place. People were like, man, you have so much energy about Jesus. Have you thought about like channeling it in an academic setting? And I was like, no, I haven't. So went to seminary, um, and, th- and that was great. That was a blessing. Um, and then we went on a uh, intercultural uh, mission experience trip in Southeast Asia. So the gist of how discipleship began to take place in my life or, or what the Lord was asking me to pay attention to is we saw, we saw some brothers kind of witness to somebody over there in Southeast Asia. I think, he was, I think he was Buddhist. He was our chaperone guide at the time. They led him through this booklet. They got him to say this prayer. And everybody's like high-fiving and cheering at the end. And, and for some reason, me and this other guy, like we were there. I just I didn't have peace about it. And the teacher came up to me afterward, and he's like, hey, were you a part of such and such that happened earlier? We were like, yeah. And he's like, he had no idea what was going on, no clue at all. He's like, he just, you know, they're, um, over there, they were so kind and hospitable, especially to Americans, and we were with them that he didn't want to uh, offend anybody that was there. So that kind of really wrecked me, and I'm like, Jesus, this, I know this is not how you call us to love people. You have to show me a way of what you did what this looks like, what it looks like in the scriptures. And then, so fast forward, I got introduced to DBS, which is Discovery Bible Study. And that kind of started opening, opening the door to me. I still didn't, wasn't introduced to DMM yet, but I knew I wanted to make disciples, and I knew DBS was a tool in it. I didn't think it was the whole thing, but I knew it was a major part of it. So that kind of was introduced uh, to me then. That was probably 2000 maybe 2014, 2016. And then right around that time, I met Cindy, too, kind of in floating orbits of, of people in the community, you know, in, in these kind of discipleship pockets. So, um, and then kept praying, kept praying. And I was like, Lord, I know there's a bigger picture to this. Can you show me? Otherwise, I, I literally don't know what I'm doing. Like, I don't know. You showed me DBS, but what else is there? So, a um, couple of years back, two and a half years ago, probably fast forward to the um, or backwards to the pandemic. About the beginning of it, there was this uh, gentleman uh, in Texas. They were a mega church, and his book is called "From Mega Church to Multiplication." I was like, "Oh, that's really interesting." And as soon as I started reading it, I I may have got like five or ten pages in. I knew the Holy Spirit was like, "This is what I want you to do," and it was kind of the whole picture of DMM. Um, so DMM is basically like we, we, I don't know if you've heard of like disciple making movements. We generally hear about them happening all over the world 
and it's starting slowly but surely to make its way to the United States. In fact, some, some movements, and I'll talk about a movement in a second, have started in the United States, but they've kind of made their way back to the countries, um, especially on the West Coast in San Jose. And it, it's, uh, for right now, it seems to be happening primarily with immigrant population, um, with, with people there. So, yeah, so disciple-making movement, think of just kind of like generational growth of like great-grandparent to grandfather to father to son in, in disciples being made of generational growth. And it happens, I don't know if it happens somewhat fast uh, in a short amount of time, but uh, it's just generational growth. And, it's, and I mean, it, it can be 100, 1,000 people, but the main thing is it's generational growth. And disciple-making movements, right, when Jesus says, go out, make disciples of all nations, um, nothing, uh, if, we, if we just continue to have addition in our churches, None of that keeps up with population growth. Even if this church grew to like 40,000 people, which would be amazing. <laughs> be amazing. But it doesn't keep up with population growth. The only thing that does keep up with population growth is multiplication. And what Jesus has said for us to do is go and make disciples of all nations. And he's given us a blueprint in Luke 10 and a couple other passages. This gives us a chance of us making disciples and replicating and multiplying and keeping up with population growth. No, thank you. Yeah, so he re referenced one book, so it's by uh, Mega Church and Multiplication, is by Chris Galano. So if you're interested in learning more, great book. I read it myself, and I appreciate that. So, um, Dan, I would love to hear a little bit more, too. What are some practical things that you think a local church like ours or that your local church can do, even though they might not become like a strict DMM model church sure. like you see happening overseas or even among immigrant communities. What are some practices that a church like ours can start, uh, you, know, put it, you know, putting regularly into our, our lifestyle that can help us learn how to, uh, or be more intentional about making disciples? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I would say the first thing is to pray. Uh, pray and ask God what he wants you to do with this, how he wants you to become involved with this. Because for all of us, it looks a little bit different. You know, for me and others, like, it, it looks a little bit different. So pray, humble yourself, right? We have to humble ourselves to allow God to speak to us, not what we think we should do, or this is how it goes, or that's not going to work here. But just pray as a church, and I believe God will start to reveal his vision, his heart, for whatever that looks like in, in your context or whatever church it might be, and he'll start to reveal that to you through prayer. But I would say the first thing, 100%, it, it starts with prayer. It starts with prayer. And, and devote yourself to prayer, you know, and, and start, start small. Don't think of like, oh, I got to pray hours and hours on end. Start with 10 minutes. And then just go from there. That's really good. Yeah, in disciple-making movements, they'll say... Uh, they're devoted to extraordinary prayer. And what extraordinary prayer is, you may have heard me say this before, it's just adding a little bit extra to your ordinary prayer. And if you add a little bit extra to your ordinary every day, you can become a person of extraordinary prayer. And I know Dan, I mean, he won't say this himself, but you know, I know the folks who know you and you, that you guys, that's, you really pray. I mean, you spend hours and hours and hours of prayer and just being faithful in that. So thank you for your example in modeling what it means to be devoted in prayer. And certainly there's that scriptural, right? There's, there's a model for that in, in the book of Acts. I want to close with one story here. And of course, there's a lot more that Dan can share, but I want to tease her. If you want to hear more, this is just like the old taste. If you want to hear more, you got to come over to my house for the winter, winter chicken dinner. Okay, but um, 
I want to share, we won't share names, like in okay. the newsletter, okay. but I think you know sure. where I'm going with this. Yeah, yeah. So um, we, one of the cool things that I see God doing in, among disciple-making movements in, in the broader church is where churches, like what Mike Kingsley and the Coalition to Save Lives, I see churches working together more these days. That I think God, it's something God's doing in our country that I've seen in our area. Churches are beginning to work and partner with one another, and this is a way that you know, starting disciple-making movements or targeting a specific area or country. Church, we need churches to work together. We can, can't do alone what God wants us to do together. Um, but we, we had a kind of an unlikely, un, I guess, divinely birthed partnership that kind of came forward that started with a, a vision that God... So this goes back. Do you remember when they were evacuating Afghanistan? So the, our story, actually the way we met, this is... or. I think it is the, probably the way we met, uh, is it started in a, in a gift of compassion that God had given to my wife, Jess, and you can ask her about it, when she saw all the Afghan refugees leaving the country. And this was during that time when, uh, was it ISIS or Taliban? I think it was, Tal it was the Taliban. Who, who, they were coming in and they were beginning to take over uh, the capital and it was just wreaking havoc. And that was all over the news. I don't, you guys probably remember that. But the United States started welcoming some of those Afghan refugees. And so my wife, she started praying. She's like, I don't know what to do, but I just have this burden to reach out to Afghan refugees. Mm -hmm. So she put her some feelers out and eventually got connected with this young couple that came over from Afghanistan. We'll call them A and K, right? Is that, that's yep, a good, that's, good code that's word? All right, that's the usual code word. So we don't use their names to protect their identity and whatnot. But uh, a couple, so A and K, and we were able to go into Philly and Strawberry Mansion and to share uh, some with them uh, some basic food. You know, we took them to Target. We went out to to lunch at uh, where was that TGI, TGI Friday? Yeah. Where that's where the first time we met, yep. and that was our initial connection. I knew Dan through Cindy, and he yeah. was. They were living really close to where Dan was, so this was like a perfect match. And I knew that this was something that was on their heart. And they actually took it from there. So we just had the inspiration and we did some initial groundwork. But then God really used Lillian and, and Dan and the family, other yeah. folks on your team yeah. to, yep. to minister. And some cool things happened. So could yeah. you share just briefly uh, before we close up, like just what happened after that? So how did that, from your perspective, what happened? Yeah, so yeah, that was, it was a crazy situation. Um, we knew God was working it out and he was, he was definitely in the middle of it. So, yeah, we just tried to come alongside them and, and love on them and serve them and help them acclimate to the country. Um, and they needed, you know, basic necessities and needs that we take for granted. They needed all those things, you know, transportation, you know, um, clothes, food, I mean, many other things, too. And, and really a friendship started to kind of... Uh, birth between between us a and k and in the team really and, and lillian i think at first they probably thought we were one of the workers because there were so many people involved mm -hmm. and i think because you know they would they would text us all the time you know dan i need this i need this i need this i need this and you know that's fine i mean they need they needed it but i think after a while after time went on when we were a part of their lives i would bring um our family would come over there they would come over to our house i think they realized there was something a little bit different just about our relationship and friendship and then um not too long ago a it was probably maybe four months ago he had a he had a panic attack some some trauma was coming coming up from afghanistan and he was kind of going through that his wife texted me in the middle of the night and she can't speak english and she's like you know dan i need help please help and 
you know, we we're trying to figure out what was going on. And, and one of the team members, he's usually with me um, a lot, Eric. He, he's like, I'll be over there in 15 minutes. This was like, uh, what time was this at? Yeah. So, that, sorry, um, just a side note. Another part of all of this, like, my, my wife supports me so much in this, and, and, and she wants to be a part of it. And I, I definitely couldn't do anything remotely closely of what I do and, and what God's asking me to do if it wasn't for my wife and just supporting me and being awesome with that. So she was like, she's like, go. <laughs> it was like three in the morning. So we took him, we took him to the hospital and, and I felt from there kind of the, the, the spirit was uh, making things more clear about you need to talk to them about Jesus very clearly and very plainly. And I think your wife said at one point, because we were talking about it, she's like, don't hold back, be bold. And kind of it took our relationship um, to the next level and and we're still eric and kim uh give them um that's his he just got married they give uh english lessons to them weekly almost if they're in town so yeah we're still very involved in their in their lives and they're in lansdale now because uh strawberry mansion if you know anything about that neighborhood it is not a safe neighborhood it's if you google it google search whatever it'll it'll come up top three top five most dangerous neighborhoods in philadelphia so wasn't a great place for them to be just because of where they've come from and it was a blessing that they got relocated to lansdale yeah no that's incredible could you share briefly i know I, there's a story where like one and asked i think it was maybe at the hospital or after he had a panic attack and they said who, who are these people do you remember that that story. I mean, I don't want to tell it for you because I don't know the exact no, date. But and, and, I'm not remembering. Oh, well, maybe I'll say it. For yeah, you, yeah. And you can fill in yeah, the details okay. if All I'm right. not right. remembering correctly. <laughs> but you had you were alluding to it, but you didn't say. It. But there was an instance where one of their friends, I think it was the other Afghan friend of his, said, "Who who are these?" Right. And they're like, are they a worker? And you said to him, "No, well, I'm your friend." Yeah. We're and your something friend. really clicked yeah. there. It was yep. like a very clear, decisive it, moment. Yeah. That kind of took. Yeah, them back. they were they were really taken back by that. We're like we're their friends, you know, we're their friends, and mm-hmm. yeah, we feel like a lot of stuff changed from then, and and we're we're a lot closer. Eric and Kim primarily now spend the most time with them. We still see them when we can, but yeah, it's our we have a we have a friendship with them. They're not they're not a project. They're not an agenda. They're not. We don't. You know, we're not pitying them. They're not a charity case. Like these are real people, you know. And and Jesus asks us to love them. So. Yeah, and in fact, yeah, that, and I think that's the key at the end is like, what, why are we, do we have these spiritual gifts? Why do we do this? It's, it's to love, right? To love our neighbor. And maybe they're Afghan refugees, or maybe they're just the guy next door who plays his radio really loud at night or rides his motorcycle at four in the morning when he should, with no muffler. Like, but we're supposed to love those people. It's all about it's love. It's a spiritual <laughs> I guess it is. There's some. Inner healing I need after the service, but that's another story. We'll get into that later. Why am I talking? Why did you get me talking about this? Uh, I don't know. But, I don't know. <laughs> but yes, it's ultimately about about love. Yeah, and, and loving yeah. loving people. And I just love how you guys have have done that. Yeah, we're learning. We're learning. We don't have anything figured out by any means. We we try to learn every day and. Every time we think we're doing something well, I feel like the spirit course corrects us, and you know, it's 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 not being afraid to fail forward. You know, people I think get scared of failure, and they're like, oh, you know, I don't I don't know how to do this. I, I don't know. Should I talk to people? I've never prayed for people or whatever it is. But I think holy the Holy Spirit loves when we take risks for Him, and and He'll bless us. He'll guide us. He'll show us. And um, yeah, I mean, we're learning. We're learning every day. 
Cool. Well, you guys, can you put your hands together? Thank Dan for coming out. Thank you so much, Dan. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, bless you, brother.